This is Talk To Me. The official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Your host, Joshua Toomey, bring you epic rants, anecdotes, and interviews with heavy hitters from hardcore A new life to hair metal. This is Talk To Me. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Talk To Me, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Make sure to head over to Metal Nexus right now for all of your metal news, reviews, interviews, and the archives of this very podcast. Action-packed episode this week. Got two great interviews this week. One with John Cooper of the band Skillet and Fight the Fury. And we also catch up with Jakey Lee, former guitarist of Ozzy Osbourne, current guitarist of red dragon cartel both bands have albums out uh, fight the furies album out this friday october 26th called still burning and red dragon cartels album patina is out november 9th and speaking of upcoming releases we have friends of the show versus with their album stasis out november 9th we will be checking out a song called Landslide. It's available on Spotify now, and you can also check out the full video over on YouTube. And if you are in the Louisville area, make sure to go November 10th to the Tiger Room at their CD release show. Pick up a copy of the latest album, Stasis, and uh, let's check out Landslide right now. You are listening to Talk To Me.
right, guys, that was Versus with Landslide. Hope that you guys dig it. And once again, if you're in the Louisville area, make sure to head out November 10th to the Tiger Room for their CD release show. As you guys know, this podcast is brought to you by Good Company with Bowling. Yes, our good friend Scott Bowling down in Atlanta, Georgia, with his great YouTube show, his great channel, Good Company with Bowling. If you like great interviews with great artists such as members of Corn, Seven Dust, Stuck Mojo, Fozzy, Islander, so many other great bands, he has his interview with Eddie Trunk out. He just released an episode with Jose Mangan. Looks great. And once again, make sure you are checking out Good Company with Bowling. Yes, Scott Bowling down in Atlanta, Georgia. Good Company with Bowling or scottgoodcompany.com. And once again, over at the Talk To Me podcast, we thank you. Now on to the first guest this week, and it is John Cooper of Skillet and Fight the Fury. Once again, their new album out October 26th, this Friday on Atlantic Records called Still Burning. Let's check out a Skillet classic first, and then we will talk to John Cooper, check out some Fight the Fury, and then I will reset the show for Jakey e. Lee. You are listening to Talk To Me.
right, guys, we have uh, John Cooper of Fight the Fury and also of Skillet on the line and uh, one of the best beards in metal. How you doing, John? <laughs> that, that's a great introduction. I'm doing great. Thank you. It's good to chat with you. So let's dive into this, uh, into the new album here with the uh, Fight the Fury album out uh, October 26th on Atlantic Records. The album, man, I think it's awesome. It's super heavy. And uh, what made you want to do such a heavy album? Well, you know, I, I think Fight the Fury kind of started, I was on the road and, and Skillet's always done we, we, there's a lot of different uh, uh, elements to making a skillet record. I mean, obviously it is heavy. There's some metal in skillet. There's a lot of pop as well. And a, it's a symphony sometimes, you classical uh, you know, side to it. Skillet is a lot of different things. And, and I love that. that that's kind of what I love about skillet, actually, mm-hmm. is that it's a lot of different influences. But what I really cut my teeth on was metal. That's what I loved growing up and uh, always kind of, saw myself playing in a metal band and um about five years ago i was on the road and i thought man it would be really fun to write some songs that you know were not necessarily ultra um you know cookie cutter for for a radio format or ultra commercial for 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 some certain kind of listener and just kind of cut loose a bit into a little bit into prog world a little bit into the metal world and a little into the screamo world and and that's kind of how the project idea started. And I started writing a couple of songs and I just felt that they were a little too heavy for skillet and a little too dark. And, uh, and I thought, you know, if I could do anything I want to do with this, I just would cut loose on it. And that's where fight the fury started. Now you said that you, you, you wanted to do some heavier stuff. Were you ever nervous about skillet fans kind of taking the stuff the wrong way or maybe thinking it was a little too heavy for them? Uh, no, I, I, to tell you the truth, I mean, Skillet has had songs and or albums in the past that have been, you know, approaching the heaviness of, of the Fight the Fury project, especially our album called Collide. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't necessarily that. I just felt that in order to really to reach the Skillet fans and to do Fight the Fury, it, it might be a little bit just shocking with some of the some of the more ballads that Skillet has, some of the poppier stuff in order to have it and then legitimately have, you know, my demons from fight the fury on the same record. I feel like each kind of, each kind of makes the other a little bit less legitimate because <laughs> fight the fury, I would have to dumb it down a little bit. It, it couldn't be as screamy. And, and not only that, I, I actually think part of what makes fight the fury heavy is that it's in the lyrics. I think that it's just darker. And I think that, um, y- you know, even though Skill has done some things that would have dark imagery, I felt like I would have to to lighten up the lyrics of of Fury to make it fit on a Skillet record, and I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to. I just didn't want to cannibalize the song. I wanted it to be what it wanted to be. Now you did say that you like you started writing this stuff in uh, 2013, and and kind of put it all to uh, came to fruition this year. I mean, how, how long have some of these songs been laying around like riff ideas or just song ideas, or was it just the idea to do a heavy band kind of was uh, five years ago? Well, the idea came before the first song. My demons was the first song that I wrote for the project. And that was about five years ago. Um, and there was talk about possibly putting it on a skillet record, mm-hmm. but I just didn't think it, I loved the song. I didn't think it belonged. And I thought, no, I'm going to wait. And, and one day, maybe I'll get to release this other project. And um, some of the songs I wrote specifically, let's see, there's a song that ends the 
um, the EP called Lose Hold of It All. Mm-hmm. That was a song that was written specifically for this project. Um, uh, in fact, that was the last song I wrote for the project, I believe. And that was something that could never be on a skillet record. It was just too heavy and too, too whatever it was. But then there's a song on the record called I Cannot. And that chorus, I actually wrote for Skillet three records ago and turned it in and <laughs> it never got recorded. And I turned it in for the next record and never got recorded. And I just said, you know what? I love this song and I really think it could go uh, on a Fury record. I don't, I think it's been overlooked because the lyrics are kind of quite dark and, um, you know, they, they have a little bit of a different side to it than what Skillet usually does. And so I rewrote the verses and kind of massaged it to make the verses, you know, pretty gnarly and heavy and, and, uh, and ended up being, I think, you know, maybe, maybe one of the best songs on the record. Yeah. And the one out, one song that keeps jumping out to me every time I listen to it is, uh, still burning, man. I love that one. That's a good one. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's funny. Cause, uh, it's the kind of music that everybody has a different favorite song. And a lot of my, my friends or even like my, uh, skillets drummer, Jen, mm-hmm. uh, Jen loves still burning. That's her favorite one. And, uh, there's a certain romance to that song and even uh, maybe emo nature to it or something <laughs> that I think a lot of people are gravitating towards, which I think is cool. Right. And uh, speaking of uh, of Jen, you know, she's doing her, her solo stuff. You've kind of got this stuff going on. Is this a time in Skillet's career where you're wanting to kind of branch out a little bit and, and kind of uh, put Skillet on the back burner for a second and reconvene later? Or, or how is this working? Right. Skillet is actually, we're almost done recording our newest record. Um, and, and in fact, we were originally going to be releasing that album now, uh, this month, mm-hmm. actually, um, was the plan. And we've been working on Jen's solo project for about two years, three years, and uh, trying to find a good time to release it. And long story short, you know, a few months back, I believe it was in April, all of a sudden it looked like we would have a really good window to release this album and, and give her a chance to tour it and kind of spread her wings, like you just said. And so that kind of was the thing that started it, um, this little bit of a break that we have. And I thought, you know, what? if we're going to push Skill It back a few months, then it gives Jen a chance to, to tour a little bit and, um, you know, build her brand. At the same time, it gives us a little extra minute to write some new skillet stuff even though uh we were we could have been done with the record by now but it's always good to have a little extra time right and it provides me the opportunity to to you know the caveat for me was getting to release this fight the fury project that i've kind of been been dreaming about for five years and i already had i already had the songs recorded we recorded them within the last uh year and a half so i've been sitting on the record waiting for a good time and so it all just kind of worked out so in a way, Skillet is taking a small hiatus, um, but not that long. We'll be releasing a Skillet record next summer. And will you be touring the uh, Fight the Fury, this Fight the Fury band? Will you be doing shows or, or tours and things like that? Yeah, yeah, we're 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 starting in uh, with a tour in Russia, which will be in December, <laughs> and then I'm hoping that we will be touring America in January. Um, and that that tour is not booked but we are kind of talking to promoters and other bands and, and we're kind of going through all the, the necessary things to, to make that happen. So fingers crossed, I hope we'll be touring in America in January. 
And you are one of the dying breed of uh, bass player singers. You know, there's that's almost uh, not heard of anymore. Was there any thought of you just singing in this and getting a bass player, or you just like playing bass and singing at the same time? Well, to tell you the truth, part of the fun of, of Fight the Fury is that it's really riffy. It's kind of like what all you know, all guitar players want to play in a riffy band because they get to show off. And uh, amazingly enough, um, I'm not sure. You know, me playing bass has never gotten a ton of attention. Um, it, and I thought, you know what? Why would I let somebody else play this? <laughs> <laughs> right. This is uh, I get I get to show off a little bit. People people I think for the first time are going to be like, oh wow, John can play bass. <laughs> so uh, it's a little bit of a cool time to to show off. Half of the fun of Fight the Fury is that. It's really riffy, lots of guitar solos, and it's a little bit prog. Some of the pieces of the record kind of go back to an early Metallica, um, like uh, even the bridge of Still Burning, which you talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, When I I was writing the bridge, I I just thought, man, what would Metallica do? This doesn't need um, a bunch of vocals and a bunch of lyrics. I think we just need to go on to some riffs, you know? So there's a a slight touch of that kind of, that kind of early Metallica metal, which I thought was fun. And, and you got to play that on bass. Now with, with Skillet, they, you know, you're tagged as Christian rock and Christian metal is, is fight the fury kind of under that umbrella or are you trying to be a little bit more secular with this? Is there any kind of label right. label put on this? Uh, yeah, here's the explanation for that. And unfortunately it's long, but it's because I like to cover all my bases here. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, you know, a lot of the Christian music fans, they they want to know that you have not sold out your faith. And that is why they a lot of times want to know, are you still a Christian band? What is that? So I always like to say when people ask me that question, the first thing I would answer is this, I will never, ever sell out my faith uh, in God, because that's way more important than music or career or money or anything. It's, mm-hmm. it's who I am. So that will never happen. Uh, having said that, uh, Fight the Fury is not a Christian band. That's not to say we're sold out or we're not Christians anymore, because we, we actually all of us are Christians. And I still write, I'm going to write about what I believe in and things that affect me. But I think the point of Fight the Fury is what make, takes it different. Fight the Fury is just about metal. It's about riffs. It's about, you know, uh, emotion and, and metal. Uh, and, and the point of it isn't necessarily to be writing religious songs. So as in, in that answer, no, it's just a metal band. But to all the Christian uh, fans out there hoping that I'm not a sellout, don't worry, I'm, I'll never sell out my faith. Absolutely. And the um, let's kind of go back. I think you and I are roughly the same age. I think you're just a couple of years older than me, and we uh, it seems like we probably both grew up on the same metal. So what was uh, kind of your introduction into metal, and uh, what did you grow up listening to? Oh, Metallica. I mean, Metallica, in my opinion, it will always be the best metal band of all time. I mean, when I, when I heard Metallica, I just, I mean, something like awoke inside of me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, when I was in sixth grade and or seventh grade, and I heard one by Metallica and the drums, you know, the, the double kick. I'd never oh, yeah. heard anything like that before. It was so, so legendary. And, um, but, but truthfully, from there, I, I really just loved all rock music and even a lot of pop music. Mm-hmm. I loved bon, uh, bon Jovi and and Motley Crue and even going into like all the glam metal of the '80s. I loved all of that stuff, which uh, which you know you can hear in in Skillet's music. Skillet's yeah. very much a you know a, 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 a hard rock pop band, really. And um, 
and and then it was later it was later in high school when I was say seventeen is when I fell in love with with progressive rock uh, because up to that point I'd never heard it and when I heard uh, uh, Dream Theater and Yes. Uh, of course, that was more like classic prog rock, like Yes and Kansas and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, Genesis. I, then I really went crazy because I was already a musician. I played piano and I, I played the trombone and um, I was kind of quite in, you know, in, 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 into, the, uh, into the science of music, you know, and, and, and I liked that, the, the complexity of music. And when I heard rock bands playing very complex uh classical music basically it really uh did something to me and you only hear that in skillless music a touch you can hear it here and there but you hear more of it in in fury yeah that first uh dream theater album still uh still jumps into the uh spotify playlists and whatnot and uh you can't go wrong with uh what was that metropolis part two or whatever man what a, what a, what a jam yeah. <laughs> oh yeah yeah pull me under was awesome yeah. that's when i first heard of the band and uh, and, and, you know, we're not a uh, fight. The theory is not prog rock, but there's a little touch of it in there and some of the time signatures and stuff like that. And, uh, going back to Metallica, did, was that the reason you picked up bass? I know that that was the, obviously the reason that I picked up a bass was, was Cliff Burton and Jason Newstead. So was that what made you want to play bass or, or was there something else? Uh, truthfully, no, truthfully, no, I, I didn't really even know anything about bass. I was a singer in a band mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know we had a full band and and i was like oh okay i didn't really know that much what bass was until that and about i started singing in my first band when i was 14 or 15 and then when i was about 19 the bass player left and we could not find a bass player anywhere that there, there, nobody really wants to play bass because there's no glory in it you know and uh i could not find a bass player so i was like you know what like how hard could it be you know um <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> I played a few other instruments. I didn't really play much guitar even at that point, but I thought I'm sure I could do it. And I just kind of picked up bass then. And, and, uh, at the time, my new favorite love was King's X. And it was also cool because King's X, you know, Doug Pennick, that was a singer slash bass player. Right. Um, I guess technically they all sang, but he was kind of the front guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that was kind of cool. So if I had to bring it down to one inspiration, uh, I would say that Doug Pinnock was kind of like my my base hero. <laughs> when you approach Atlantic about Fight the Fury, do they they say, "Hey, we're here. You're doing a, a project," or you say, "Hey, I'm doing this project. You guys want first dibs, kind of thing?" And and what was their reaction to the band? Well, actually, I mean, the, more the way it went was that like they wouldn't get first dibs; they'd get the only dibs because I'm signed <laughs> to them. <laughs> so I had to kind of like cross my fingers and hope that they liked it because I would I would be disallowed to go anywhere else because they, you know, they skillet some contract, but I am skillet. So, um, I don't mean that I am skillet. What I mean is they own me too. Right. Right. Um, skillet, not just me. Um, and so, you know, when I first had the idea, I took it to my manager and he thought, yeah, maybe so. And, and I recorded a song, sent it to the label. And I said, Hey, I, this is what I would like to do. And funny enough, they, they were like, Hey, that's a great idea. It could be, could be really cool. And, and it was kind of a strangely easy process. And I think probably, you know, I think they kind of like threw me a bone a little bit. Let me kind of let me do what I wanted to do. I, I produced it. I wrote the whole thing and I did the art direction for the, for the cover art. And I, I kind of produced the, the video we're releasing that 
they're kind of just letting me kind of like have my baby and do whatever I want, which is, which is really great. And, and kind of allows me, um, something that I can, I can just do whatever I want to do. And, and, you know, who cares about the consequences, make music that I really love and hope that the fans like it. Uh, and so, and, and as long as we keep the budgets down, I think they were fine for me to do that. Well, cool, man. Well, this ended on, uh, you know, the, like I said, the new album, uh, Fight the Fury, still burning out uh, October 26th, Atlantic Records. Uh, My Demons is already out, so let's play that at the end here and uh, just maybe a quick story about the song. Yeah, sure. Um, My Demons was the, the first song that we wrote for the project, and um, uh, I think what I liked about it, I just liked that it was so, it, it's a little chaotic feeling on the guitar parts. And it was just a, a fun time to throw in a couple of new time, you know, time signatures and stuff, and kind of, uh, kind of just do whatever we wanted to do. So it's one of the first times I've ever had uh, like a verse where I'm I'm really screaming and stuff like that. And I just thought it kind of captured an anger to what the lyrics were about. And the lyrics were inspired by a fan that I was talking to that was sharing his story of child abuse with me and you know, someone that he had trusted that more than betrayed him and, you know, stole his innocence and and trying to learn to, uh, can never forget, but trying to learn to forgive someone who's hurt you in that kind of a way. And the song, uh, I'm sorry, the story made me very angry and there were some things in my life that I could relate to about it. And that is why I wrote uh, the song. So it's, it's, it's got an anger to it. But it's also got a little tinge of, of healing to the song as well. Um, and so I hope people dig it. And we released it first because I thought it was a, a kind of a good taste of, of the multiple genres that really make up what Fight the Fury sounds like. Well, John Cooper, man, let me tell you a quick thing real quick. Uh, you are the first guest in the three years of this show that when I was listening to a little bit of Skillet getting ready for the show, my son put down the Fortnite video game popped his head out and was like, hey, I know that song. We listened to that at church. And then my daughter uh, was, was super excited that I was interviewing you. Um, both my kids have never even known the people that I've interviewed, uh, you know, dudes from like Soulfly and Pantera and things like that. So, uh, so, so dad is cool today because I'm talking to the dude from Skillet. So thanks for, thanks for that, oh, at least. Man. that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. It's a great story. <laughs> Very cool, man. Well, take care and uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, interviews today, man. Yeah, thank you. Great to chat with you. I go to sleep with my demons Creeping my head every night They come to shred all my dreams And I bled on my bed Why is this my life?
All right, huge thank you to John Cooper of Fight the Fury and Skillet for taking some time. Super down-to-earth guy, and uh, what a fantastic interview. Love talking to that guy. And up next, we talk to Jake E. Lee. You guys know him as the guitarist for Ozzy. You guys also know him for the, as the guitarist of Badlands. And you also know him from his great new band, Red Dragon Cartel, and their great two albums they have out. Uh, the second album, Patina, out November 9th. It's going to be a killer one. I liked it. I have the whole album, and I jammed it, and it's great. <laughs> uh, this is this is a fun interview, and uh, it starts off very uh, very goofy, very uh, very off the cuff. Had a lot of fun talking to Jake, a very down to earth guy, and kind of went with anything. So, a lot of fun. If you guys are checking out the podcast for the first time, to check out the Jakey e. Lee interview. Thank you so much for checking it out. And without any more of my ramblings, let's uh, let's listen to some classic Ozzy. Talk to Jakey e. Lee, listen to some new Red Dragon Cartel, and I will talk to you guys momentarily. Hey, what's happening? This is Trevor Phipps from Unearth, and you're listening to Talk To Me.
All right. Uh, all right, guys, we've got uh, Jake E. Lee on the line, the new uh, album by Red Dragon Cartel, Patina, out November 9th. And uh, in the great words of uh, Zach Wild, uh, what's going on there, Father Jake? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what Zach would say. You know. um, I, not much. I, you know, I, I talked to Zach one time. It was when he was 19. Yeah. And he had just gotten a gig. Uh, the first record hadn't even been out. And, uh, yeah, I talked to him. I, I just happened to cross him and um, introduced myself. And that was when he was skinny and pretty. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a, <laughs> he was definitely a, a pretty young man. But, uh, yeah, it's funny whenever he talks about you, you know, in interviews or, or whatnot, you know, he'll talk about St. Rhodes, but then he always calls you Father Jake. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that. I kind of like it, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let me think about it. I, I, hmm. I suppose I could have theoretically been his father. Well, yeah. Did you know. did you tour? I mean, when, when did you tour New Jersey? <laughs> well, no. I mean, I, know, I, I, I mean, really theoretically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I think because I would have been maybe twelve, thirteen, or something when he was born. Hmm. So I was I was capable of reproducing, <laughs> uh, although I hadn't found any uh, partners yet. <laughs> yeah I, this is a taking an odd turn but yeah you know like how, how, yeah. i mean how old were you when you found your first partner there jake <laughs> okay this is good you know i'm 17 same with me i, I actually just turned 17 like when i uh so there we go we have that in common oh well i was i was kind of embarrassed that it took me so long but now that I know I have some brethren out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure once you uh, once you joined uh, Ozzy's band and whatnot, I'm sure that number skyrocketed and uh, all those girls that uh, didn't talk to you when you were 12, 13, 14, you know, they, they live to regret it, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I mean, that was the 80s. That was the 80s, when, which I know I was a part of, but I, I do actually think it was probably the peak of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah, it's definitely a decadent time. And in, you know, the, in the, in the minor touring I did was like late nineties. So by that time, you know, all that stuff was, uh, uh, you know, uh, passe or whatnot. I mean, there was still going on, but it wasn't uh, as glamorous as, you know, when you were, uh, you know, touring in your heyday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> plus, plus then you've got AIDS and herpes and and all that kind of shit by the 90s. The 80s, I mean, I, I suppose we had it, but we didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, man. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the new album before we get too sidetracked and uh, and not talk about it. But uh, uh, like I said, the new album is called Patina, which as a guy that loves old things, as in like old uh, relics and, and stuff like that, the word patina has always been a, a favorite word of mine, which is a very odd thing to say. And so when I heard the album was named Patina, I was like, man, that's just a, that's a cool name for an album. Um, does that word have any meaning to you or, you know, uh, any, any kind of special, you know, uh, place in your heart? Oh, maybe not so much outside of, uh, it's actual meaning. Right. Um, but yeah, I love, I love old shit. I love, uh, old watches. Uh, I just bought some table lighters. Um, do you remember those? Those are from like the fifties <laughs> and sixties. Right. I, I love old shit. And, um, 
yeah, patina just it, when when I I just heard the word one day. I think Anthony mentioned it because mm-hmm. he'd been watching some uh, one of those uh, home, uh, you know, busy buddy shows. Right, right. And and uh, he he mentioned the word patina, and I it just hit me. I was like, that's perfect. That's perfect. It's you know, and 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 it's it's something that that um, uh, documents. Uh, something getting older mm-hmm. and actually getting cooler. Right. Which I, you know, wrong or right, I like to think of myself in that light. <laughs> Definitely. The um well, I mean, that's kind of where that that this this leads us is, you know, you kind of you were one of those random guitar players that kind of disappeared for years and to reemerge in the early 2010s, you know, kind of doing a little bit of stuff here and there. And then obviously the uh, first red dragon cartel in 2014, but, um, you know, and, and it kind of, you know, I, I talk about this a lot on the show is, is there was that eighties, the, a lot of the eighties guys, you know, when the nineties came along, you know, were no longer cool, even though it's hard to say that the guy that played with Ozzy is no longer cool, but it's, it was kind of the you know the hard truth like when Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains all came along, you know a lot of those guys, you know fell out of favor. But where we are now, a lot of the bands such as a Rat and whatnot are out there touring again and drawing you know pretty pretty decent sized crowds, and the nostalgia factor and things like that. So, um, you know, do you kind of feel like that that's come back around for you? Like you know it's it's cool to be Jakey Lee again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny that you put it that way. It, yeah, because when the '90s came along, um, I did feel like I wasn't cool anymore, and I didn't want to be—I didn't want to be that guy, mm-hmm. like it was in Hollywood, where you know, where I lived in Hollywood at the Rainbow late at night. There was always the old guy at the bar. <laughs> who still thought he was young yeah. and was still hitting on the chicks and everybody's just like looking at him thinking how pathetic that is. I didn't want to be that guy. So yeah, when the nineties hit and, uh, I kind of got grouped together with the whole hair metal thing. I, I, I just didn't, I didn't see the point in, in trying to push myself onto the music scene when it seemed obvious to me that I wasn't wanted there. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a better idea to, to uh, gracefully bow out rather than to um, continue. Did you find it strange that you kind of came, you know, like one of those, uh, the white whales or whatnot, everybody is kind of kind of looking for you or like whatever happened to Jakey Lee type stuff, you know, like a, like a Vinnie Vincent, you know, like for the longest time, everybody was wondering where the hell that guy went. And, uh, and now that we know, we kind of wish he would have stayed gone, but, uh, but, you know, (laughs) but with you, you know, you kind of came back out and everybody's like, Oh, he still looks pretty cool. Still plays really good, you know, and, and, and like nothing, uh, you know, you didn't come back out, you know, looking like a woman or anything. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah, I didn't know if it was going to go there. Oh, I, I'm not going to even comment no, on that. No, you don't have to. That's a, that's, <laughs> this show's had his runs with him. So, so I don't know, Vinny, so I, I hold no ill will. Believe me, if I did, I would jump all over that shit. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, 
Oh, let me let me think about what the actual question was. Um, oh yeah, I was I was um yeah I I wasn't fat, right? You know? And I still had my hair. Um, so it was uh yeah it it wasn't hard yeah. to you know to present myself like oh look at me here I am again. Um, and I felt it, yeah it was there's a certain amount of time where if you were in the previous generation or whatever, uh, you're no, no longer cool. Mm-hmm. And then if you ride that out long enough, you sort of become cool again, just because you are so old, <laughs> I guess. I but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it did become sort of, a. It, I didn't feel like I was um, pushing myself on people mm-hmm. after all those years where I where I was retired. I felt more like I was uh, welcomed and greeted by um, people that amazingly still gave a shit that I was uh, uh, around. And um, yeah, yeah, there is a certain amount of time where uh, if you waited out, you're you're kind of if you were cool once. Unless you really fuck up, uh, you'll you'll be cool again. Mm-hmm. I've had you know Mike Howe on here from Metal Church, and you know, kind of the question for him is like, you know, you were gone for so long, you're back, but where did you go? What did you do? And uh, you know, were you raising a family? Were you you just kind of hanging out? I mean, what what does one do for for that for that long a time? Um, yeah, just kind of hanging out. I. Uh... Well, I raised my daughter, and uh, but when she flew the coop, I just um, I had other interests. Mm-hmm. Um, prior, just prior to that, I, I'd been really into cars and and working on them, and I think it's a, a another side of the brain where music is is an artistic thing, and. Um, it's it's not down to mechanics and uh well unless you're Ingvay Malmsteen or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> I will badmouth that motherfucker. <laughs> anyway, um <laughs> and you know but you know what I mean. It's it's more of an artistic endeavor and and working on a car, uh, uh rebuilding a carburetor, uh real rebuilding a transmission. That's that's very much the other side of the brain. It's all mechanics and it's either right or it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I found, um, an outlet doing that <clears throat> while I wasn't in the music business. At first it was cars and then it became computers. Um, towards the mid mid nineties, I, I really got into computers and I would, uh, I would build them up and, uh, make gaming computers for my friends and, and fix people's computers. It was, uh, so I was always, uh, engaged in one form or another, just not necessarily with music. So what is your beef with Ingve? <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's a dick. <laughs> I mean, that's my main, yeah. my main problem with him is he's an arrogant fucking asshole. And, uh, and he, Always has been. I don't know if he is right now, to be honest. I haven't seen him in forever. But I can only assume that if when you're younger, you're that arrogant, mm-hmm. 
and that big of a dick that you really, you really never change. So I assume he still is, but no, he was just, uh, he was a dick. I don't know. And, and he was a, you know, great guitar player. He, um, but even then, I, he was really good at one little thing that he does, mm-hmm. you know, doing the, the sweeps and arpeggios and, and, and playing fast. And that's all he could do. And it's very, that's one of my problems with him. It's a very narrow band of guitar playing. He he just focuses on this one part. He's a shitty rhythm player. He can't write a song worth a fuck. Um, and, and I'm saying this and it sounds bad. I feel a little bit bad, but knowing what an <laughs> asshole he is, I don't feel that bad. You can't be that arrogant if you're only really good at one minute aspect of um, the art of playing guitar. I mean, and and that's all he was. And, um, yeah, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think that's become part of his mystique, though, and I think now that if he's nice to somebody, it's almost like... Uh, they don't know how to take it. They almost want like, you know, like, oh, I met Ingve and he's a complete ass to me. You know, like that's almost like a badge of honor now or something. <laughs> yeah. You're not saying he is nice, are you? Oh, I've never met him or talked to him, so I, I don't know anything about him. <laughs> he's fat. I'll give him that. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of those that went away and did become fat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um well, I mean, I, I honestly just got done listening to the entire album uh, from start to finish, and you know, it's it's a great rock album. Great, uh, you know, you you can tell you're playing, which is kind of strange to say these days, but you can tell like you can hear the guitar being played rather than uh, you know being being put through so many effects and processors and making it perfect. You know, you you can tell you're playing, and I think that's uh, very refreshing these days. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that was. Um... I knew if I wanted to make another record, I wanted it to be uh, honest and um, more organic, um, and and that's what we did with this record. It mm-hmm. was a, you know the first record was the first Red Drag Cartel record was uh, more of a piecemeal uh, process uh, where where people were brought into the studio to play over a riff that I had played. And then, and and a song was kind of put together, more modern. That is really kind of the way they do things now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was interesting to do it that way. And I, I do, I'm proud of the record. It's, but I knew if I was going to do another one, it was it was going to have to be more old school, uh, like when I was in Ozzy or in Badlands, where it was a uh, uh, more of a group effort and. Uh, uh, and it it just felt more, um, I guess, honest. Really, is, yeah. is the word I'm looking for. It it it, and I think that comes across with this record. It uh, I've uh, the comments I've heard uh, has been it's it's kind of Badlands like, and uh, I I I can see that. I mean, I I am the guy that wrote the music in Badlands and. I'm writing this, and and the process was the same, because when you're in a room with uh, the rest of the band, and and like I'll show them a riff and say, let's work on this. It's a it's a more of an immediate feel, yeah. Uh, yeah. If it's working or not, whereas 
say the first RDC record and what I had been doing while I was in retirement, because uh, I still made music, but I just did it through the computer all by myself. And you can come up with something you think is good in a room by yourself and and then uh, really analyze it and overthink it and and do every because you can do that with a computer. You know, you have all these uh, programs and shit that you can uh, fuck around mm-hmm. with and, and you can do that and think you have something really great and then present it to a band and realize, oh shit, this doesn't work. <laughs> um, exactly. So, so with the new record, yeah, it was done more old school, and um, I I think that's a lot of what when people say it sounds like Badlands. I think it's it's more the maybe the result of the process, and uh, well, it certainly wasn't a conscious effort to uh, you know make it that way. This is uh, all this is new music, and it's. Uh, and just what I came up with at the time. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, my years of playing, you know, being in a room and jamming and, and bringing a riff or two to a to a practice and, you know, saying, hey, I got this riff, and oh, it matches your riff and, and whatnot is, is kind of a lost art. I recently did a, uh, a project with some other podcasters where we did a cover, and, like, the drummer was in uh, Philadelphia and the guitar player was in Detroit, and you know he, you know, the, so the drum tracks were sent to the guitar player. Then those two tracks were sent to me, and then we sent out the the singer was in like Arizona, and it, you know, it came back cool, but it was it did kind of feel stale because you know we were all just tracking in our houses rather than uh, you know jamming it out in a room together, and and you know being able to like feel a vibe, and you know when a, when a riff is going good, you know everybody gets that big old shit eating grin on their face and stuff like that. So yeah. that that's something you miss when uh, when you're just file sharing. No, yeah, you put it perfectly. Yeah, it's and it can it still can come out cool, and it is sort of amazing that you can uh, record something with somebody across the world. Right. Um, it, it's it's a good thing, but if you do miss the, uh, you know, if you if you're playing a riff and then the drummer comes up with something, the bass player comes up with something, and then. And then the bass player turns to the drummer and says, wait a minute, what did you do right there? Right. And then he plays it, and then they play it together and says, how about if we try this? It's more, uh, you know, uh, people working with each other and cha- maybe changing something that you wouldn't have thought of, except for the fact that everybody's in the room at the same time. And you you will miss that by doing the uh, uh, cross-country Right. You know, by doing it over the internet, everybody will play their part, and it could be cool parts. But you miss that interaction with the musicians, where it, maybe this uh, the sum of the parts could have been made better with that musical interaction. Oh, absolutely! You you miss the the guitar player is trying to get it just to get a tone and he plays a riff and you're like, wait a minute, what was that? And you're like, he like, I don't know. And they play it again. The next thing you know, you've, you're writing a song, you know, you know, you definitely can't get that, uh, you know, over the internet. Oh, no, I, <laughs> that's cool that you brought that up. I, yeah. I hadn't even thought of that, but yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of times where I'm just, I'm warming up or just trying to get a tone or making sure I'm in tune. And, and one of the other musicians in the room will say, what the fuck was that? And so, I don't know. I was just <laughs> doing something. It's just noodling. Play it again, and it turns into a song. Uh, Rock and Roll Rebel was like that. I was, uh, 
because the beginning of that song is it's it's a little bit of a stretch. I was just stretching my fingers, mm-hmm. and I didn't think it was a riff at all. But uh, yeah, the bass player said, "What was that you just played?" and nothing <laughs> but then it turned into a whole song so yeah yeah no, interesting i hadn't thought of that aspect what do you what do you yeah. t- what are you saying man i thought ozzy wrote all those songs <laughs> I, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah ozzy, ozzy is uh he's famous for doing that <laughs> yeah it's it's funny and i'm not i don't want to get into that but i think it's it's funny how many band leaders singers out there if you look at the liner notes of their albums, it all says like, you know, all songs written by, and you're like, that guy can't even play guitar. Like <laughs> out, you know, but, <laughs> but you know, whatever. Um, yeah. We, uh, let's talk about the band a little bit. Um, you've got, uh, Anthony Esposito on bass, Phil Verone on drums and your singer, Darren Smith. Uh, how did the band come together? I know that you kind of went through, uh, a little bit here and there, but this seems to be like a, a solid band at this point. Yeah, um, well, let's see, let's go one at a time. Um, Anthony on bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the original Red Dragon Cartel went out on the road, uh, the bass player, uh, I didn't I didn't really want him to be the bass player. He, he helped put the project together, and he ended up uh, pleading with me to please let him be a part of the band. And so I did it um, out of the kindness of my heart. <laughs> I let him be the bass player. But he was a, he was a god-awful bass player. He was, he was, he was just horrible. And, uh, and eventually I just couldn't even take it anymore. And that's when I got Greg back in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not back in the band, but I asked him. Because it had been years since we played together, and I just thought it would be really fun to have him in the band for a while. And he came out on the road, and, and that was working well. And then he um, he got cancer, and uh, obviously couldn't continue being in the band. And uh, I eventually hooked up with Anthony. Anthony's been a godsend. I mean, he's he's worked out great. He he's he's known as a very solid groove-oriented uh, bass player, or at least that's the way I knew him. Very, uh, you know, lay it down eighth notes kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. But on the new record, I he really, he really stretched out, and uh, he he he's got some really cool bass lines in there, and and encouraged by me, and um, I I think he's really um, shown everybody that he, he there's a lot more to his playing than he's been burdened with well I'm not burdened but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um anyway, yeah, you know, he's been he's been great. I'm absolutely fucking over the moon that he's in the band. Um as far as the singers, uh Darren was always the Red Dragon Cartel singer as far as I was concerned. Uh at a certain point during the last tour we had a disagreement. Um personal one i'm don't want to like specify anything okay um but we had a disagreement and it needed to be worked out and on the road is not really a good place to try to work shit out (laughs) um because because you're all already on the verge of like hating everybody once you've been on a bus 
24-7 with somebody for months. Um, so so he, he didn't quit. I didn't fire him, but we knew we couldn't until we worked out our differences. Uh, we weren't going to be able to play together, and we still had gigs left. So I looked for some singers, and I think there's four of them. Yeah, whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> there was, say, let's say there was four singers available, okay. and rather than audition them and then pick one, uh, I said, "Well, let's give each singer a certain amount of time on the road." We had, I don't know, six weeks, I think. So everybody got uh, ten days or so to go out on the road, and that's that's how we had it planned out. And I think people were under the impression that I hired a new singer and then fired him while on the road and then hired another one. And that's not what it was. It was, it was, these were all substitutes for Darren. And then, and they had a specific amount of time to come out and, and jam with us. And, uh, yeah, I think that's where there's a lot of confusion about that. Um, but you know, once Darren and I worked out our differences, he came back into the fold and, um, okay, that's the singer story. As far as the drummer, Phil, you know, to be honest, I don't know him that well. He seems like a decent guy, depending <laughs> on your... As long as you're, as long as you're not the uh, Bullet Boys, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on your <laughs> definition of decent also. I mean, right. I, I hear tell that he's delved into the porn industry at one or two times i don't really want to know anything about that (laughs) uh he's he's a great drummer and i get along with him uh and and he worked out really well on this record i think he's another example of um, somebody who's basically been personified as a groove stylist and and i think he he branched out a lot on this record and um yeah i'm i looking forward to getting this band on the road and uh i think it's 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 going to be fantastic and what are the plans for uh for red dragon cartel for the touring and and such uh well right now it looks like we're we're cinching up um a tour that starts towards the end of february of okay. uh, next year uh that'll be in the states like it looks like it's going to start on the west coast and inch its way over, you know, uh, yeah, I think basically it starts in the Southwest and ends up, um, let's see, end of February, uh, within the next four weeks, uh, up into the Northeast. So we'll, we'll be hitting most of the major markets. We're not going to hit, you know, as many as I'd like to, I, we can't hit every single place. Um, but for four weeks, we will be touring the States, and then we're going to Japan, and we're trying to get some European dates, and uh, that's about it so far. And uh, once again, Jake, man, it's been uh, great talking to you, and I, this has been a blast talking to you, actually. And, uh, um, you know, good luck with the, the new album, the new album once again, Red Dragon Cartel, the album called Patina, out November 9th. And uh, Father Jake, man, it's been great. Father Jake. I got to remember that. I like that. All right. No, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
Once again, thank you to Jake E. Lee, the legend himself, Father Jake, for coming on the Talk To Me podcast. Thank you to John Cooper of Skillet and Fight the Fury for coming on the podcast. Make sure you guys are checking out Versus. 
great up-and-coming band out of Louisville, Kentucky. Make sure you check those guys out and let them know that the Talk To Me podcast sent you. Thank you to Good Company with Bowling for sponsoring this episode. And if you guys want to support the podcast monetarily, make sure you are donating over at paypal.me slash talk to me or heading over to patreon.com slash talk to me and becoming a Patreon supporter of the podcast. So until next Thursday, I am Joshua Toomey. This has been the Talk To Me podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking it out, and I will talk to you guys soon.